We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey everyone, welcome to a new season of Ultimate Survival Tips and the Survival Show Podcast, where it's our job to take you step by step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost any emergency, crisis, or disaster. And our hope is that by the end of this show, you'll be more prepared than you are right now at the beginning. Welcome to the show. I'm David. Today's show, we're going to talk about current events from a preparedness perspective and how to barter your time, talents, and treasure in a real-world situation, possibly following a society-altering event. And before we're all done, we're going to go to the Gear Cave, and myself and my two co-hosts, we're going to pull out some gear that we're really excited about. If you love triple-bladed knives, you don't want to miss that last segment. But before we get into all this, I want to introduce our co-hosts. First on my list is the one who's almost never seen but always heard, and he doesn't have his headset on right now, Mr. Producer Ben. Howdy, howdy. How are we doing today, Ben? Fantastic. (laughs) He's running around here trying to keep all the cameras running. Next, we've got an Eagle Scout with us. He's a survival instructor from way back, an Eagle Scout. He's a serial entrepreneur and the founder of Apaco Box and Outdoor Core. And he's also the author of countless best-selling survival books and some really great survival TV shows. My friend, my mentor, my buddy, Mr. Creek Stewart. (laughs) Look at you. What's going on, Creek? Hey guys, good to see you. You guys are looking good. I haven't seen you guys in person in, well, forever. Right, right. I mean, true story. Creek and I have only met in person once, and when was that? That was back in the day. Dude, that was long, long time ago, man. That was when I wrote my first book, Build the Perfect Bug Out Back. It was at a book signing I was doing at the Blade Show in Atlanta, Georgia, and I All met right. you. And my life has never been the same since. (laughs) Neither has mine. (laughs) Well, Creek, I'm glad you're here. I'm pretty excited to get into this content. But before we do, let me introduce our other co-host for today. He's my good friend and my loyal UST sidekick. He has big, fat hands. And I didn't write that. He did. (laughs) Sometimes I write scripts, too. (laughs) And he's appeared on one of our most popular videos. Check it out. The Mora Hack video. Dude, I think you got bonused for that because it actually went over a million views. I think it's a, it's a million five now, <laughs> <might> I think. <laughs> I haven't got the last couple bonuses, though. And he also wrote our worst received video ever on YouTube. You, that was because you said, okay, what I want you to work <laughs> in, I want you to work in explosions, ninjas, and Bigfoot. And somehow I'd like to work in AR-15s. And I wrote that script. No, it was it was... It was actually the funnest video we ever did. It, it's just, 
It was sort of kind of a comedy gig, and that's not our thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the peeps did not like it very much at all. So this is Mr. Joe Wagner, and he is also the guy that works hard to keep the survival, the weekly survival, EMAG subscribers fed with great tips, tricks, and practical survival content. And, hey, he's, and hey, he's a knife maker now. Yeah. Oh, uh, very super novice knife maker. But hey, everybody, it is good to be here today and hanging out with my buddy Dave. And having just met Creek, it is a real honor, and uh, I'm looking forward to the pod. Awesome. Well, you sound like a man of many talents, Joe. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if they're talents. I get to do a lot of different things, but we're not sure how good I am. He's got a lot yet. of interests. He's he's a really capable dude and a great outdoorsman and, and a trustworthy friend. So I'm glad to have you guys both here, and I'm glad you guys got to meet each other. So here's the deal, everybody. Joe's going to kind of moderate this discussion because if Creek and I just start going, we're going to talk for like three hours. And The people might want that, though. Well, if you guys want like long form podcasts, even live streams, go ahead and give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section down below. And Joe, I'm just going to let you get us started here. All right, man. So one of the things that I know has been on your mind and on your heart is this idea of bartering, of, of trading. And earlier in the podcast, you shared that you wanted to walk folks step by step through mindsets, skills, tactics, and gear. So let's kind of put this all together. Let's start with a mindset and what goes through our brain, what affects the way we think. And we were talking a little bit beforehand, before the podcast got started, about some headlines, right? And not just headlines, but some things that are actually going on in the world. And these things are really affecting just about everybody's life at this particular point. Um, here in America, we're, we're seeing some inflation. Like, it, it's pretty obvious when you go to the gas pump. Mm-hmm. This time, maybe last year or a little while ago, gas was, in the national average, was actually $2 or less. Last time I filled up, it was like three fifty-five. Our dollar yeah. just is not stretching near as far as what it has. Um, I have a friend who was building a house and he had to stop building a house because the house would cost more than two times because of building material cost has gone so far up. So these headlines that we have, I mean, it's a, inflation is one of these big things that is going on and it's affecting our lives. And there's a bunch of other ones too. Yeah. I, th- I think the one thing I'd like to kick in here now is, is just the whole concept of money. And the concept of money is really that that money is proof of work, right? Mm-hmm. So, Joe says, "Hey, Dave, I've got, I've got a ditch for you to dig, and if you dig this ditch, I'll give you a hundred bucks a day, right? Right. So I go and dig your ditch, or whatever you would have me to do, paint your house, and I do the hard work. I put my time in, and that's our greatest treasure, right? We've only got so much time, right?" So I put the time in. At the end of the day, I do a good job, and you give me a hundred bucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I take that hundred bucks, and that's really, in a sense, we've sort of kind of bartered. But the proof of my work is in the money that I have. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes Creek, sense. Does that make sense so far? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we take that money. Then that's a store of the value of our most valuable asset, which is our time. Okay. We take that money now. And I go to Creek and I say, hey, Creek, 
I got a hundred bucks and I see that your Apaco box is $59 plus shipping. I think I'd like to trade that hard earned job, you know, part of that for an Apaco box. Cause I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And Creek's, Creek's okay with that. He's like, sure. I can add one more subscriber to Apaco box and I give him my money. That's my hard work. Like I've made a conscious decision to put that money into a Paco box or whatever, food or gas, right? Now, the issue is we're looking at inflation, and this is a very complex problem that we're not going to get into today. But we've, since I think it was 1972, the U.S. went off of the gold standard. At that time, we gave ourselves or our legislatures or our leaders gave ourselves the ability to print money beyond what it was backed by. So it's not backed by, it's backed on good faith. I'll take a dollar as long as it's worth a buck or worth something, right? So what happens is since our greatest currency, our greatest value that we can put into something is work and we get money from that, inflation really, especially when inflation happens because of quirks in the system or printing of money, like... Right? Yeah. The printers go... Printer go... Brrr. Yep. Yeah, you did that better than me. I've uh, got a better mic. My, my, my idea is that it's actually stealing from us. Does well, that make sense? Well, your money's not worth as much as what right. it was before. So I put in the hard work. Somebody at the top said, hey, let's print more money. That's great. I've got more money. My buddies have more money. The banks have more money. By the time it filters down to us, that hard-earned money that we've saved or set aside or or whatever has been devalued. Mm-hmm. So it's really stealing, right? right? And so we don't have the ability to, you know, our, the value is diluted and that's, so that that's the concept that I think maybe is a good place to start with inflation. And so we've got that headline and you, and you offered the explanation of what that is and you've given us the kind of the bare bones behind that, but that's not the only thing that's happening right now that we see, in the headlines and in the actual news, uh, Creek, I don't know about you uh, or, or, or how you go about things, but my wife has come back to me and said, how come there's not as much milk as what there used to be? Or I went to buy this lotion for my skin and the lotion is not there. We also have like a supply and demand problem that's going on right now, too. And there's other headlines that are going Jump in here, man. Like, what do you see happening in the world that has having an adverse effect on this whole economy sort of deal that we've got? Yeah, well, I, I ship a lot of product. You mentioned the pocket box. We ship a thousand boxes every other month and a lot of boxes in between and a lot of other orders and multiple other subscription businesses. So one thing that I've really seen from a small business perspective, which I believe is really the heart of this country is small business owners and small businesses, is... It, you know, absolutely an increase in the cost of goods sold and just operating supplies. You know, I've recent seen, recently seen a major hike in just the cost of cardboard to make the cardboard boxes that I ship a pocket box in. Um, I've seen shipping prices go, you know, even at the post office and certainly with some of the other carriers increase significantly in the past several months, even it feels like in the past several months, unless it just snuck up on me past year Um, but the cost of envelopes has gone up everything has gone up on my end and so I think small business owners are really pinched with Mm -hmm. okay so it's an odd 
type. It's not inflation, but it feels very similar. You know, you're selling something for the same amount of money, but you are making less as a small business owner. Right. And um, and and so it affects it affects people in multiple at multiple angles. It's not just that the dollar that you earn doesn't buy as as much as it did, let's say, a year or two years ago. But as a small business owner, the the amount that you sell a product for is you profit less than when you were selling that exact same product a year or two years ago. So I have a really unique perspective on both sides of that. And it is not, it is not pretty and it is not pleasant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Creek and I, just before we started here, we were talking about the idea that we're, we need to do something as far as raising shipping costs. And that gets back to, I mean, we've got some, well on my end then as the consumer, as your end on the consumer, right? I'm like, oh man. So right yeah. now we're we're doing what we can, Creek, right, to kind of eat the cost and try and justify it. But at some point, everybody's got to raise their cost. Yeah. Thus, you can even just look at inflation and fuel prices, diesel and gas. Right. And I mean, that goes up. It costs more to ship a container. It, you know, that increases the cost of postage when we ship something across the country or across across the world. And, you know, small business owners, you know, you can't you can't take those hits. Here's something also that's in there. Uh, Creek, you had mentioned about like workforce issues. Dave, you and I have talked about this, too, about how many folks that you've actually got working in your companies. It, it is really difficult to find somebody that will fulfill a job for you. They'll come to work. For you again, I use my wife as an example. She's a, she hires and she fires, and she's responsible for individual operations of her her company. And she can't find anybody to work, and they're and they're paying a decent wage, and it's a good company to work for. But the folks just aren't there to work, and it's not just in our local area. But you, when you think about, all right, so even in our ports, you know we've got people to unload the ships and there's just not as many of them or, or truck drivers or warehouse workers or meat packers or people to put the product on the shelves. It seems to be that there is a, a workforce shortage. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, I mean, we don't know. We don't only just have inflation because, because of printing more dollars, you know, we, we've dumped a lot of money into, you know, some of it may be justifiably, you know, we all want to be compassionate towards people who are, are going through hard times with the the pandemic, with all the other things that have precipitated around it. But think about the whole proof of work thing, right? I worked for $100. If I don't have to work for that $100 long enough, I'm not sure that I want to work anymore, right? right? I'm not saying that that's all the reason that we're having problems finding finding people, but we've also like started to put stress on people as far as, you know, can I ethically work at sure. my job anymore? Am I going to follow whatever mandate my company has? And so we're forcing people out of the workplace, which sort of kind of doesn't make sense to me. Right. Let me just throw out, and we won't tackle them in depth unless you want to a little bit later, but a couple other things that are in the headlines, like this chip shortage. Mm -hmm. Man, go to try to buy a truck or go buy a video camera or buy a phone. And then China and this hypersonic missile like comes out of nowhere. So we've got these sorts of, uh, that's a scary thing. And I don't want to be a, a fear monger whatsoever at all, but we've got this kind of unrest and unsettling and we just don't know what's going on. And we feel the effects of these things. And then there's like 
what is this hypersonic missile stuff? I'm like, what is that all about? And so the headlines out there are kind of alarming. And so, Creek, I want to throw it over to you. And at the same time, we don't want to start this podcast being by being the world is falling apart, everything is going to pieces because we want to offer solutions. But what's one of the scariest, most alarming things going on in the world that you think is right now? Well, domestically is spending. You know, I'm no economist by any measure, you know, but I, you don't have to be an economist to know that, you know, a gross overspending has ramifications. Um, and ultimately, those ramifications are going to fall on the shoulders of the American people, for sure, you know. And so spending is a huge concern for me um, on, on multiple levels, you know, certainly that involve everything around the pandemic over the past year and, you know, just inter- just spending on, on so many different levels. It seems, it seems a little out of hand to me right now. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a... I'm kind of a frugal person anyway, so when I hear, you know, the headlines about the kind of spending that's happening right now, it's it's very scary to me because I don't I may not know what is coming down the pike from an from an economic standpoint because of that spending, but I do know that there are consequences to that, and I do know that you know those consequences are not going to be positive. Dave, what do you? What's one of the most alarming or one of the scariest things, most unsettling things that's going on in the world right now that you think? Actually, nothing real. It doesn't really scare me. You, you are so brave. I'm not brave, but I have read to the end of the book, and you know the book <laughs> that, that I'm talking about. Yeah. So it's not like yeah. it's not like I'm totally unprepared. Right. I mean, if you look, if you read, uh, you know, we're talking about the Bible. If you read. Daniel, you read Jeremiah, you read Isaiah, you read Revelation. You read the Gospels. You read the Gospels, you read some Matthew, throw some Matthew in there, right? Yeah. You, you kind of, you, this shouldn't surprise us, really. I'm not saying it's the end times. I don't know. But, you, you know, know, Creek's motto is, uh, you know, what's your motto, Creek? It's not if, but yeah, when? It's not if, but when, but let me, uh, I'm, I'm going to piggyback on that conversation. Okay. Yeah. Now that you've brought up, brought up biblical prophecy, it's been something that I've, that I've been really interested in for a while now. And if anyone listening, it has an interest in biblical prophecy. I read a really great book. I listened to it on tape, but I, I listened to a really fantastic book on, on end times prophecy uh, called the tipping point. Um, the end of the end times is here. And man, it was an absolutely fantastic book written by Jimmy Evans, um, who, if you're familiar with Jimmy Evans, he's a, he's a really incredible teacher um, in, in the Bible world. And he, um, he wrote the book with the premise of not scaring people about the end times, but that, that the prophecies in the Bible are there to bring peace, you know, in the midst of in times and it was a really really fantastic book now he does make a very compelling argument that we are living in the end of the end times and um it it is a really it was a fantastic book to read if you're into bible prophecy you know if that's something that uh, that you enjoy reading about it's not like a casual read it's pretty it's a pretty neat read mm-hmm. you know so um but it was a it was a fantastic book tipping point by jimmy evans that's, that's, that's great, awesome, great. man. Yeah. And even just knowing 
as a as a pastor, you know, knowing that there might be some people out there that might be like, ah, oh, pshaw, whatever. Not whether whichever end times view that you particularly take, we are in the end times. I'm just I'm going to share that with you. Ever since you know Christ went back to heaven, this is right. We're preparing for His return. But at the same time, there is evil in the world that we are at war with. So do not be surprised that that evil rises up and wants to attack and go on the offensive. And so, like, I'm right there with Creek. This is, we need to be ready, and we do need to be prepared. Yeah. It is not if, but when. Yeah. So I'm generally not, I'm not scared. It's It's all troubling. And it's troubling because we've lived in relative peace. Right, my entire life I've lived in relative yeah. peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of have know, been spoiled, I would think, a little bit. In the United States, we haven't. We've generally not had chaotic situations, and it just seems like in the last year and a half we've gone f- one from one to the next. Right. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just it's it's all kind of freaky. But I think if you're listening or watching this podcast right now, you probably have. You probably are concerned, and two, you've probably, if you've been following us for any length of time, you've probably got a sense of, or you want to begin becoming prepared more. I think at the end, we want to really hone in and on on this bar, on this idea of bartering and offer folks uh, some insight into that. But like right now, what is our response to that? Like, like let's just talk skills. Uh, we were. Before the podcast, we were just kind of sharing, like, all of us seem to be, and I'm not, I'm speaking from a point of humility right now, just kind of renaissance men, you know, just able to do lots of different things. And certainly there are many, many things that we are not able to do. But, like, skills-wise, in response to what is going on in the world, what would you guys think would be something that people should, hey, you probably ought to learn how to do this. They'll probably ought to learn how to do this, you know, whether it's gardening or whether it's hunting or whether it's mechanics or whether it's carpentry or whether it's um, self, self-reliance self and those sorts yep. of things. Like, yep. what what would be... I got it. You got it, Dave? Yeah, yeah. All right, so what so, would you suggest somebody... So two things. Start? One, I'm not going to really hit on much because we've, we've kind of been talking about yeah. around this for about five minutes now. But here's a skill you need to learn. You need to learn how to pray. Okay, let me leave. Let me just leave it at that. Um, the other thing that I would suggest is learn how to preserve the value of what you have. If you have a dollar, learn how to preserve it. How do you how do you preserve a dollar? You you don't put it in a canner and can it or right. put it in the freeze dryer, right? Um, I I would suggest taking a portion of your dollars and converting them into some sort of a high value item, hard asset. Is that property? Is that food? is that storing a couple extra gallons of, of fuel? Uh, it may be. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a skill. I think that's a, it's a mindset. It's an awareness that, hey, things aren't quite right, and I'm going to be a responsible human being, uh, budget my, my time and my money well, and start devoting. Maybe you are already, but maybe you need to be devoting more because it doesn't seem like this – things are decelerating. It seems like we're, we're really accelerating towards some sort of a society altering situation. How about you, Creek? I, I mean, you guys are the, the instructors. You guys are the teachers. And I guess what I'm asking you to do is just boil everything down into 
one thing. What would what would be the most important thing for some a skill? What would you recommend for folks in light of today? Yeah, it doesn't have anything to do with the survival skills I teach. That's for sure because I don't believe the world's gonna completely fall apart. You know, I don't. I right. I, I just don't subscribe to the notion that you know we're gonna be living off the land and things like right. you know. Even right. though right. even though those those instances happen all the time to people, you know, I I don't think that's where the world is headed. You know, I I don't see it happening like that. But anyway, um, so it doesn't have to do with building a wild shelter or a fire. Um, like the living off the land type skills that I teach, it would it would be one of two really. Oddly enough, my dad always used to say, um, he always used to say, you know, son, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the older I got, the more I realized that to be true. You know, I I've struggled with a skin condition called psoriasis my entire life. It's a dry skin condition. Um, it's hereditary, uh, but it can be debilitating. Like it can develop into psoriatic arthritis, and stiff joints, and even other types of internal inflammation issues. And so I have been on a personal journey the past year and a half, you know, really trying to learn how to eat yeah. as a skill. I know that sounds a little silly, but I believe beyond the shadow of a doubt that nothing that we're talking about skill-wise matters if you don't have your Mm-hmm. And so much of our health is dependent upon how we eat. You know, mm-hmm. the old adage of we are what we eat, let food be your medicine is absolutely true. And it is, it's very difficult to, to learn how and to understand how to eat well so that your body can heal itself and so that your body can be healthy in order to achieve and procure and compete or produce in all of these other areas. And so I would challenge, I would challenge one of the first things is really understanding how to start eating healthy. You know, it's really easy to eat unhealthy and it's very, very hard to eat in a way that promotes health in your body, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I've been on that personal journey with some success and limited success and, and, and some real breakthroughs as well. You know, I've had complete clearing of my psoriasis and you know i've had it flare and the whole deal but i've learned so much about how to eat healthy in order to not be on some type of you know medication um, and dependent on medication because i don't know that's an that's an odd one but outside of eating i would say any single skill that is in the realm of food production could be incredibly valuable because you talked about bartering and I don't think there's anything more valuable than food in the bartering department. So whether it's beekeeping or whether it's, you know, growing asparagus or um, raising rabbits or any, any type of singular aquaponics, uh, sprouting, any type of singular skill related to food production, I don't think you could go wrong with. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, Creek, I think you hit on something as far as preserving and improving your health now with nutrient-rich foods, uh, I, I would say first aid in medical, become a medically prepared person as much as you can. Uh, and those yeah. aren't the romantic things, right? No, the romantic, sexy thing is to go buy a three or three or $4,000 rig and, hey, check out my AR, check out everything I got, hang out for that, check out my plates, check out this. If you're not a functioning human being, you're, 
you're not going to be able to provide for yourself or your family. If you can't run 100 yards with that rig, then it's kind of worthless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, and those are the sorts of things that like I default to because, oh, man, that's cool. Oh, yeah, I want to get one of those. I want that looks really cool. But, you know, I, your challenge. <laughs> yes. To, yes, you do. I do. I, I, I can become obsessed with those sorts of things. <laughs> but your challenge, Creek, to eat healthy and to eat right is going to be far more important than that. You know, and this is interesting, too, because it gets us back to uh, preparedness. Like, okay, so you want to stockpile food. Let's just break it down a little bit, Creek, because I know you've got a whole course on this over on Outdoor Core, I believe. Um, yeah. If, if all you're planning on eating in a crisis situation is MREs, you're going to you're not going to be healthy for very long. Right. You, you, want, right. To take, you want to take it from there, Creek? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they're great for short term, they but are. you definitely, definitely and, and I don't think that even long-term food storage, you're, you're ever going to be in a situation really where you're going to have to survive off that stuff indefinitely, you right. know? So right, right, MREs right. are great is fine for short term, but you're right. You know, if you, if you were to have to survive off of your long-term food storage for months at a time, then you know that could absolutely affect your health if you're if you're stowing away the, <laughs> the the wrong stuff you know whether it's an allergen or something that you know has produces inflammation in your body or something like that you know it's a be it'd be a bad it'd be a bad idea right yeah Joe let me let me get back on to maybe the track you wanted to be on on the skill focus okay. I got, I've got a quote here and then you can move us along as fast as you want a quote from Teddy Roosevelt. He said, do what you can with what you have where you are. Okay? So what I would recommend for people is do, a, do an honest assessment. Where are you at? Think about things like food, power, money, and fuel. Think about first aid preparedness and think about personal security. If you look at those, like for instance, I know Craig likes to say this and, and encourages people. Turn off the power in your house for a day and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You're going to very quickly start to see what your gaps are uh, in mindset, skills, tactics, and gear. All of those, you're going to see them just by turning the power off for a day if you can stand it. Um, you know, you got a couple of freezers in your house. What are you going to do with that food? Right. <laughs> you know, so look at those areas as far as, as, far as things go. And, uh, you know... Self-defense, people, skills, prayer. Yeah. Let's then take that, and let's be very realistic about it. I, we've mentioned this a little bit before. Creek, you've said, I don't think it's going to come to this, or I don't think it's going to yeah. be this, you know. But let's let's look at some things that have already happened. Now, obviously, none of us were alive in the 1930s. Like Our grandparents have probably shared how hard the great depression was. Yeah. Um, so we have ha that has happened. Um, we were all alive in the, the seventies and the early eighties with like stagflation and where gas prices did shoot up and, uh, the, uh, interest rates were super, super high. And like, that's probably the most that we have ever experienced. I think we were all very young at that particular point, but, but what, what about in this in, in the context of bartering also like what happens if the 1930s comes back what happens if we have a great depression and it's happened before and i'm not saying that it is going to happen again but man maybe we ought to be ready for it or thinking about it so 
what? I, that, I'm asking you guys. You guys are the experts, right? I'm like, what? Here, I don't know what to do. What? Should, how should I prepare? What should I be thinking about? What? What can I barter? What do I need to worry about bartering? Like, fill this in. Well, back in the 1930s, there's no doubt that a way higher percentage of the country were producing their own food. You know, I don't know right. what it is. I'm, That's I'm a good bad, point. But it was an insanely, insanely higher percentage of people who were producing at least a bit of their own food, okay? And so that, that, that becomes a little bit scary because I think the percentages now are, what, 3% of the people in the country are now producing food for the other 97. Yeah. I mean, so, it's literally something very similar to that percentage. It's a very, very scary figure. Well, there was a lot, uh, higher, there was a lot higher percentage of people who were self-reliant back then, too, just just period. Yeah. I mean, we're just trying to recover the skills that maybe we lost through a couple of generations too. So that's a really yeah. good, that's a good point. Creek. And it's easy to overcomplicate self-reliance too, because when you think about, Oh my gosh, what do I got to do to be prepared to deal with off grid and provide my own food? You know, what's really interesting is, you know, it was really a way of life not that long ago. You know, I mean, when my mom was a little girl, they had, they didn't have any indoor plumbing. Right. You know, when my mom was a little girl, you know, and I mean, they were still using the bathroom in it. I used the bathroom in my grandma and grandpa's outhouse when I was a little boy, you know, so what does that tell you? You know, I mean, but it hasn't been that long ago that people were eating on wood stoves and cooking on wood stoves and no AC and no internet. I mean, self-reliance actually isn't as complicated as people make it out to believe but it absolutely is a change of lifestyle you know and i mean just little just little steps in those directions could make a huge difference we took it all we brought them to our land an endless night ember hot and icy cold the rage of the earth we made this curse carved it in the blood on our backs we did not see we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two. Play it now with Game Pass. Something. This is going to sound silly. I was talking with a uh, a guy my age, maybe a little bit younger, yesterday, and he was going hunting for his very first time, which was really cool. I was encouraging. He had moved up here from uh, from a more urban area. And he was really proud of himself, and I was proud of him too because the person he was hunting with shot a deer, and he came over and he helped drag the deer out. He helped clean the deer. And he's like, oh, I was so proud of myself. Last year, there was a dead squirrel in the pool, and it took everything I had to, to get the dead squirrel out. And I was like, what? You know, and, it, and I wasn't picking on him. It wasn't because he was a sissy. It wasn't because he was a wimp. It wasn't anything like that. It was just that he had never had to experience that he had never had to do mm -hmm. some of those sorts of tougher things had never seen it and i don't know as if i'm going in the right direction creek but there might be some folks out there who have trouble getting those dead squirrels out of the pool and i don't know how to say this uh, uh, in a gentle sort of a way but you're gonna have to be ready to do a lot more than that if times get tough and rough you know some of the like going to the outhouse on the regular, my grandparents would share how hard they worked and how much they had to muck out the barns and how much, what they actually had to do. We've become 
we become very sensitive to things that maybe we shouldn't be super sensitive to. I got three words for you, Joe. Go for it. Do hard things. <laughs> do hard things. Right. Right. And be ready to do hard yeah. things. So if you want to increase, yeah, well. if you want to increase your survival IQ, and you take it from here, Creek. <laughs> Hunger is a very powerful motivator to do hard yes. things. Yes, it is. You know, yeah. so so for the person who may struggle with picking up a squirrel. Um, I, my comment would be, you know, hunger can overcome a lot of things and uh, hunger can help overcome a lot of those issues pretty quickly. Actually, we, I have a funny story um, about squirrels at our house, about dead squirrels at our house. We have, we have this thing that we call the dinner bell and it's when the, um, and it's when the, um, what's it called? not transistor. I'm just going to say transistor, but that's not it. I can't think of the word for it. It's big things at the top of electrical poles. It's like the big round fuse thing. Well, we call it the dinner bell when that blows at our house, because that means a squirrel has walked across the electrical line and reached over to hop that line and touched the, 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 the pole and the line at the same time. And that transistor and that tra- and that big fuse thing blows, and it sounds like a thunderbolt. It sounds literally like a lightning. Bolt. Oh man! And so we always we always joke that that's the dinner bell because River runs out and grabs the dead squirrel from beneath that, and we <laughs> clean it. So just if people don't know, uh, you're you're. I don't. Oh, it was a given name. Transformer. You're yeah, transformer. There you go. You're transformer. Yeah, I'm saying transistor. <laughs> Creek, Creek is Creek, and uh, his son is River. For, for you all that didn't know that. Nice. Yeah, and my daughter is Lakeland. Perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. But we just call her sissy. <laughs> or I typically call her big sis. <laughs> my wife's middle name is Brooke. She's kind of in the club. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So maybe, maybe Joe, uh, I, got, I got three things and I got four things. Uh-oh. We got the old saying of, God, guns, and gold, right? Yeah. And then we've got bullets, beans, band-aids, and brains. 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 I don't, you know, when it comes right down to it for bartering, that's not a bad place to start. I think one of the things that we both, we've all been talking around, especially both of you guys, is the importance of brains in that issue. Craig's smiling. I want to know why he's, why he's almost busting out laughing there. No, I'm just saying beans. Beans. Beans all day long. Food, man. It's what people freak out about first, man. Not eating. It'll get people real crazy real quick. No food. You know, I'm telling you, food has been used as a a world, a a mass manipulator throughout the history. Right. You know, it's it's the number one weapon that has been used to motivate and, you know, abuse really entire countries, entire populations of people by limiting their food supply. Wars have been won over cutting off food supplies, mm-hmm. you know, and supply chains. So I'll go down in history to say that, you know, if I were to stock up on any of this, or if I were to, food is a very powerful bartering tool for sure. Right. Yes. All right. Yeah. So jump off right there. So Creek's like beans. That's, beans. If you, here's something. As a guy that has watched both of your videos from you and had talked with you, Dave, we have used this term. I've, I haven't been. Oh, I was never washed over by the wave, but I was always riding the wave. I was never at where I needed to be 
but I was often ahead of other folks, right? I'd see this coming. Probably for me, starting out from zilch, the easiest thing to put aside was the beans. You'd, you'd, you'd be able to, right. they were, sure. but even during the middle of COVID, they started going away fast too. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was getting tough to find beans. Yeah. The easies go away first, right? Right. I remember the frozen remember, pizzas were gone like that. Peanut butter went pretty quick too, didn't it? it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, and it's interesting too, right now, as, as we record this, there's all kinds of reports that basically say that there's this, this wave of circumstances and supply and demand that are going to cause this food shortage. Again, we're not here to scare people. It's just in the news. And so is it manipulation? Is it just chaos? Is it just people not knowing what they're doing? I'm not going to share my opinion on that right mm. now. I have got beans. An off, I've got an off-the-wall question that goes along with beans. Oh, yeah, Creek, yeah. what's your favorite bean to set aside? <laughs> I'm talking like your dried bean. Like, which one is your bean? That's the one. Yeah, well, I, I stock up on a lot of beans, but um, black-eyed peas is yeah. actually oh. one of my okay. favorites. You know, I have a lot of nostalgia associated with black-eyed peas, but, I mean, I stock up on probably eight different beans um, I stock up on. I got a lot of black turtle beans. Um, I've got a lot of pinto beans. Um, black turtle beans. I am not familiar. What's yeah, up turtle beans. I uh, got a lot of those. Um, got a lot of. I got. I got a lot of beans. But we like beans. We've really cut back in in this journey of kind of healing my skin. We've really cut back on animal products because I noticed that you know it's, it was animal products that was kind of flaring right. my skin sometimes. Not. I, I don't think it was the animal products. It's just all that crap that finds its way into the animal products. Right. You know, and um, and I noticed as I cut out some of some of the animal products that my skin improved. So we've really relied heavily on beans the past year and a half or so anyway. And I like beans. So we've, we've learned how to cook beans a thousand different ways till Sunday. I was just going to say that it's important for people to know how to cook beans, to know what mm-hmm. to do with beans. Cause it's not just, you don't just throw those in the microwave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to go into the, all right. the, the details of how to do that, but if you're going to stockpile beans, know how to prepare them. Yeah. Not only know how to prepare them, but, you know, one really interesting way to um, to work with beans is in a manual grinder, is in a manual grain grinder. Set it on the really, like, big grain setting, and you can grind those beans into a flour that you can make some really interesting, like, tortillas and, like, soup bases just out of a variety of beans. And Joe's writing this down. I, yeah, it's right in my brain. <laughs> I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to have one of the, I'm going to hang one of those on my rig. And uh, yeah, do you think we should have a, a manual grain grinder, Creek? Yeah, I have a manual grain grinder. Absolutely. You know, I mean, um, I'm a huge proponent of a long-term food storage pantry, not only bulk dry goods like beans and rice and, you know, things like that, but also a decent stock of the top 20 to 25 things that your family consumes on a regular basis, you know, so that you have 20 of the 20 or 25 of the really prominent food items 
that have a shelf life of anywhere from one to three years. Most canned goods or box goods have a shelf life of one to three years. Um, give us one that somebody might not think of. Well, they're different for everybody. So the way to go about it is to list out the, I mean, most people really only eat a small number of things. Very few people have a huge diverse diet. Okay. So it's pretty easy to nail down 20 of your top food items that you consume on a regular basis. For us, it's spaghetti, mac and cheese, spaghetti sauce, um, olives, um, what's, what else is in our deep peanut butter? Um, what else? Olive oil is definitely one of ours. So we have a laundry list of things that we eat all the time that have a shelf life of one to three years. So that's what you call your rotation stock. Right. So you're always buying one or two extras of those when you go so that you're building that back stock and you're rotating through those items. So that over time, it's pretty easy to develop, you know, a several month food storage supply of your favorite items that you eat. Yeah. That's an easy way to do it. Just add one or two when you go to the grocery store, maybe a little bit more right now. And, and tell I, you, I, I, have to, I have to, I have to, I have to say this Creek. I love like your top three items included Mac and cheese that, that just tells us that you have young children. Younger kids. <laughs> I got kids, man. <laughs> Dude, I got kids. I don't eat Mac and cheese. I'm actually, I actually cut out gluten. I don't have, I don't eat any gluten. So oh. my, but my kids, man, they love Mac and cheese. I might be in danger if I did not stock mac and cheese. <laughs> One of those boxes of mac and cheese might turn into, I don't know, what could it turn into? A gallon of milk some way down the line. Or a dozen eggs if somebody, oh. you know, those those are the sorts of things that I think you would be able to trade back and forth to be able to do that as well. Sure, sure. Um, food, man, yeah. food. So besides food, what what if we came up with like our top 10? okay. Top still 10. on a complete curveball here, so which is fine. I mean, I, I, I'd love to do that. I'd love to hear what Creek's got us. Top at. ten. All right, so like round robin, top ten. I can, uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. So let's let's do this. Let's go with let's go with standard items, and then we'll do like top ten standard items, and then we'll do a couple of like maybe long term or long term sustainment items. Does that make sense, Creek? Yeah, can you include skills in these? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Creek, you're first. Fuel. Ooh, Dave. You know, this is going to sound weird to some people, but electricity, so right with Creek's fuel, I'm going to, not only for the car, because with an inverter, I can actually power some essentials, but the way that our situation is, uh, solar power. We've got some solar power generators and fuel generators. That's, I mean, that's a longer term sustainment item, but I'm putting that right on my critical list because the freezer meat goes bad if I don't have that and I can't get water out of the ground. All right. So I'm going to throw one out there that does not go like in the top three, but it, maybe it's in like, I don't know. I'm a father of three daughters. And so mine is feminine hygiene products. It might sound silly, but for me, that's a concern. I don't know if that's a top 10 or that's a top 20 or that's a top 30 or figure it out yourself. But for me, that's something that I was like, I'm going to buy some extra of those. And I don't know about them or how they work or what they do, but I'm going to buy some of those. So besides those, what would be the next one that your girls would say would be the most important thing? I don't know. Would it be toilet paper? 
No, heck with the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, for you. We can figure out the toilet even paper. Yeah, you can say that until you run out of it. <laughs> even we have a mountain of toilet paper. Yeah. I, did, I didn't buy any. Well, of can that. we? Well, let's let's lump <laughs> let's lump toilet paper in there with those. How does that sound? Yeah, hygiene. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop in real quick because yeah, you know, I talked about my mom using you know not having indoor plumbing. Dude, my mom didn't use toilet paper. They literally now I don't know if this is a sign that my parents were just like ultra broke when they were kids. <laughs> But my dad had a dirt floor until he was 28 years old. His room had a dirt floor until he got married when he was 28 years old. Wow. But, but anyway, uh, but my mom, they literally used magazine, like Sears catalog, dude, and corn cobs for TP when she was a little girl. Now, she was raised very poor in Kentucky, but that has not been long ago. My mom is not quite 80, so far less than 80 years ago, there were still people you know, wiping their backsides with corn cobs. Let's let that sink in. So, where were we? <laughs> like, seriously, let that sink in. Seriously, I, dude, it's not been that long ago. I mean, my mom could do it. I can do it. Right. <laughs> Smooth rock, a handful of snow. <laughs> so I'm going to go right off of that, Joe, and I'm just going to say hygiene items lumped in there. Are we going to lump in hygiene items? Like, like, that's a that's a good hygiene's one. really important. I mean, if if the electric goes out and you can't flush, we've talked about this before, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But if the electric goes out and you can't flush your toilet, what are you going to do? Well, it's going to get it's going to get pretty you're gonna, gross. You're going to have to figure out a latrine outside you, somewhere. You need to have soap. You need to have containers for water, uh, a water purification system. All right, so that that's I, like four things. Why well, I think the hygiene Sorry. items and all those things, but I think water purification is its own separate. So, like, is that going to be like yeah. you added to what both Creek and I were talking about? But yeah. then you're saying water purification water, and just generally like plumbing, if you wanted a bigger category. But you need that was my next one. Yeah, go ahead, Creek. My next one was plumbing skills. Ah, being able to being able to solve people's plumbing solutions, being able to solve people's plumbing problems. And now you can go down a rabbit hole of other trade skills. But right. on a side note, right. I, my, myself and my son River for the past, since the pandemic started, so whenever that was, last March or whatever, we have exclusively used a composting sawdust toilet in our garage. Oh, good. We have not used a flush toilet in our, in our home since the beginning of the pandemic. We've been experimenting with using a composting sawdust toilet. And I tell you, I keep on telling my wife, I'm like, I don't know why they're, I don't know why people have flush toilets. You do not need a, a flush toilet. Like you, you're, you're raised and we're raised thinking you need a flush toilet. You do not need a flush toilet. It is really incredible. The simplicity of a five gallon bucket sawdust composting toilet. You just put your, you know, you do your business, whether it's number one or number two on top of some sawdust, throw your paper in there cover it up with a layer, close the lid, the sawdust key. I mean, there is absolutely no odor whatsoever from those buckets. We, we, we store them up and, you know, in a few months they basically turn into dirt, which we don't put in our vegetable garden, but we put them, you know, around our trees and stuff like that. You know, after the podcast, um, I might get a recommendation from you on that one. Cause that's something I thought yeah. about. Dude, and it is a major thing that people need to think about. Like, if your restroom was to stop flushing, you're in serious trouble if yes. you don't have a bad solution, you know? And the solution in this case is so simple. It's a $15 solution, and a few bags of sawdust can get you through several months of no flushing toilets. Fantastic. 
All right, well, so we've got four. Hey, well, you, if you want, if you want one, I've got a couple of uh, what do they call them? Portaloos here. It's basically a yeah. five-gallon bucket with a seat seat and lid built right into it. So if yeah, you want, if you want to go it. from fifteen dollars and you want to really glamp it, you can spend thirty bucks on it and get yourself a bag of sawdust. All right, so I've got a thirty-second funny story. We, my wife and I built this ramshackle, all right, I built for her, this ramshackle <laughs> cabin out in the middle of the woods on our grandparents' land, and we were too poor to have an outhouse, so we had an outbox. It was just, you just sat on the outbox and just did your thing in there, and it worked. Nobody, yeah, there you go. Nobody laughed that much. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it was. All right, so here's our list. We got fuel. Wait, that was the story? That was it. I told you 30 seconds. Oh. <laughs> he cut the punchline out. Yeah. So we've got fuel, yeah. electricity source, number two, toilet paper, feminine hygiene, hygiene items is number three, water purification and plumbing skills I lumped in. So there's four. And we just, I think we literally, some people that were expecting or anticipating what we were saying, their minds probably went. Because what haven't we mentioned yet? Well, we haven't mentioned everything that everybody thinks is most important. <laughs> right? Well, well, we're talking about bartering items, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not could, saying it's bad. Yeah. I'm just saying these are things that you that you that you really do need. I'm just for a number one. Yeah, we're right? talking about what people are really going to need. Right. Know, yeah, yeah, what are they really going to need? They're going to need their car fixed, you know. They're going to need like mechanic. They're going to need Mechanics, you know, if like, you're a mechanic, you've got a you've got a highly valuable barterable skill. How yeah, many people out there don't have it. a wrench set? You know, it's, it's even those sorts of things. All right, I jumped it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Who's next? You said mechanical skills. Mechanical skills. Yeah. Get yourself a tool set. Learn how to use it, and get yourself a couple of books. Remember those things that are printed on paper with ink. Because if the grid goes down mm-hmm. and you don't have a YouTube video to look up how to change the oil in your car or how to, right. you know, fix the electrical system, a book might help. Right? Right. All right. What's next? Okay. Bartable items. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to say you need to have some cash on hand because regardless of, of what may happen and if things went really, really bad, um, Credit cards aren't available. You still need goods. For a short time, there may be stores, there may be uh, gas stations that have fuel and things. You're going to need a way to, you know, if they can't take credit cards, I don't, I don't think they're going to give people gas. So you need something that you can barter for gas. And I think in the short term, uh, cash is, is probably going to still work. I wouldn't put all my chips on cash, but I... I would highly recommend that you have a, a couple of few thousand dollars on hand. Even if cash doesn't work for a long time, it will have a perceived value. Right. Yes. Yes. Creek, I don't want to um, jump ahead of you, but what do you think about like med- medical supplies and medicine and first aid sorts of things? Is that? Yeah. I mean, dude, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. Right. That's huge. Did you hear what I was saying earlier? Yeah, but you were talking more about food. <laughs> what about like band aids? What about the, like Tylenol? What about those sorts of things? Absolutely. Dude, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. But probably the more you know, probably less on that level and more on the kind of higher level triage type stuff. You know, okay. I mean, 
antibiotics for sure. And, you know, a little bit higher level than, you know, Tylenol and Band-Aids. Yeah. All right. Yep. So, and there's ways to get some antibiotics to set aside, whether there, we want to divulge any secrets. There, there are. Uh, I, can point you you know, to, I can point you to a book. One, um, you know, one thing I want to just quickly mention in the fuel department, because some people may hear fuel and they may be like, oh, man, I, I'm, the, I'm never going to be able to barter fuel. I'm just like, I, I don't have a way to store fuel. It's like totally out of my reach. You know, keep in mind that, you know, a part of that fuel category is wood. You know, I mean, over what approaching maybe even over 90 percent of homes in North America now rely on grid tied heat, whether that's electric, uh, gas or oil. And any one of those goes down and a lot of people don't have heat. Right. I mean, those of us that can see are looking right over your shoulder. And I think it would be good to have that wood stove. Knowing you. Yeah. I mean, that's out of the question for a lot of people in their, you know, but they could potentially, you know, think about converting gas stoves to wood stoves if that's possible or putting in a smaller kind of, you know, like a, a smaller, less invasive freestanding corner stove or something like that. I've done that in a little, in a little place of mine. Um, but it's, you know, wood heat is a really, really good backup backup heating alternative i mean literally sportsman's guide has two little stoves i mean if you had to do it and you had to isolate a portion of a shed or a portion of your home and and heat that way i mean for like 300 bucks you can get one of those little stoves with a with the chimney kit yeah uh, also ker- yeah. kerosene heaters also yeah oh totally that's what i carry yeah we we we, we stock kerosene heaters and couple of 55 gallon drums of kerosene bingo can i can i throw back to medical a little bit joe yeah so i'm just gonna say it because people are gonna see it anyway probably by the time this podcast goes out the new tiny first aid guide yes is arriving very very soon very soon and it's got all of this stuff if you're concerned about first first aid and medical um, you can do one of two things. Just hang on a little bit. Check out Ultimate Survival Tips or, or Amazon. Uh, just search there. Or I heard it might be going into, a, I don't know, one of those subscription boxes too sometime. Yeah. You know, if you guys haven't seen David's um, Tiny Guides, I can attest to the fact that they're chock full of just absolutely incredibly valuable information. And they almost all of I mean, I feel like every one of those skills has like a QR code that you can pop in on a video, which <laughs> expands that, that, those guides almost like into an entirely different universe off the paper, you know? I mean, it's a pretty cool, that would, hats off to you on those, man. Well, I'm looking at... I'm not really the jealous type, but I'm pretty jealous. <laughs> well, I heard that, I don't know, I was, I was thinking maybe next year I'd, Maybe work with somebody on a bug out guide. Do you have any suggestions? A really good author who's really an expert on yeah, bug, out bug out and, and people should like really that. buy yeah. that book. Maybe and, a tiny bug out guide. I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, if you think a tiny bug out bag, bug out guide, inch guide would be something you want. In the those, meantime, those they known. should probably go to Amazon and uh, type in <laughs> these particular search terms. What would they be, Dave? Uh, or our website. Or our um, website. Yeah, just tiny first aid guide. But, I was talking about Creek's book. Oh, Creek's book. <laughs> Have you written a book? Would you like to write a guide with me, Creek? <laughs> Talk about low-hanging fruit there. Holy moly. Okay. Don't Google, don't Google Creek's book. Man. Just, 
You just get the bad reviews all pop up first. I don't know how that happens. I need to hire like an SEO company to just get all the bad <laughs> crap. All- yeah, 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 yeah. Um, here, well, let me just throw something in off the, on this medical. There's a section in the tiny guide that I'm actually looking at, Creek. It's a whole section on contingency medicine. And we were, talking, we were talking about antibiotics. There's two ways you can go. And the one way is, is for worst case scenario only. And I'm going to recommend a book, and that's antibiotics. Okay? You want to get Alton's antibiotics book by uh, Dr. Joe Alton and Amy Alton. And that's, that's available everywhere. It's a very, very, uh, it's, it's very well-regarded book. And they'll talk to you about fish antibiotics there. Okay? The second one is, and I didn't know this until I, until I was writing the Tiny First Aid Guide, was that there are preemptive prescription companies where you can do a, like an online visit, they get your medical history, and then if you want preemptive medis, uh, antibiotics, doxycycline and amoxicillin, and I have a whole list of things that they will uh, potentially prescribe if it's right for you, and then you will have it. This is actually kind of a common thing for people that travel a lot, movie stars, et cetera, just in case they get in a bad spot and they're not near any kind of modern medical facilities. Cool. cool. Let's finally get to bullets. Are we, are we at the bullet point yet? Have we missed anything? I don't know. Did we get to 10? Were there any other? Well, we are fuel, electricity source, hygiene, including toilet paper, water purification, plumbing skills, mechanical skills, tool, cash on hand, medical, higher level medicine, emphasis and focus there, like wood heating systems and heating systems. What else? You guys have to remember that because I'm at 2% on my computer, so okay, go poof. No, that's all good. So another thing I'd recommend, so we've got got beans, band-aids, brains. We've talked a lot about brains and skills. Uh, bullets, I would just put in that category. We've talked a lot in this podcast about situational awareness. Uh, if you don't know anything about that, there's plenty of information out there about that. Uh, just don't be have your face in your phone. Just be aware of your surroundings, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, if, if things got really, really, really bad, uh, I think bullets could be a currency. And also... Um, they can help with regards to developing some personal self-defense skills, right? To power a firearm, for instance. So I would recommend two things. One, if, if you have a knife, if you have a, a firearm, get trained, spend as, as, at least as much, maybe double what you have into that tool or those tools in getting properly trained and then have a reasonable amount of, uh, ammunition and things to power that and then get trained in how to use it in a tactical situation so you don't hurt anybody and so that you is that what you meant yeah that's is that what you're looking for what i was going to share too is i and i don't know what creek's perspective is at all on firearms well i was going to kind of bounce that back over to, to creek I, I think that all of us have pretty big heart we, we are about helping people and caring for people and loving on people but like craig would say there's going to be there's bad guys out there yeah and even my grandparents would tell stories about when they were little kids going through that Great Depression. There were desperate people who you had to watch out for your stuff so that people wouldn't steal your stuff. And um, so there is sort of a, a situational awareness of, 
hey, you want to keep your stuff safe. And worst case scenario, you want to be able to defend people that you love in your life. But having shared all of that, I guess I'll just segue that over to you, Creek. You know, when it comes to the bullets and the guns and the rifles and the pistols, like what's kind of your take on having those available? Personal self-defense. Personal self-defense. Yeah, well, there's two categories. Oh, for personal self-defense, obviously that's a category. You know, mm-hmm. but there's also the hunting category. Yes, those are two right, 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 typically right. two totally different types of firearms. Great you know, point. but um, but I'm a huge pro- proponent of being prepared um, in the self defense department. There are certainly some situations that would warrant the use of a firearm for self defense, where nothing else is going to do the trick. You know, I mean, if you're put in a really really bad situation where you're pinned in your home and somebody's trying to get in, or you know, something horrible like that. You know, I mean, there's few things that we're going to do, like try to box them, you know, it's like, I mean, there's, there's few things that are going to stop an attack like a firearm will, you know? And so absolutely being prepared from a, from a self-defense perspective with firearms. I mean, that should be a no brainer really for it, it, you know, from my perspective, obviously that's my humble opinion. Right. But that feels like a no brainer to me, especially if you have a family, you know, you know, I can see somebody maybe not valuing their own life, but when, you know, when it comes to protecting the life of their family, that's a whole different story. But, you know, hunting is a, you know, a different animal. Um, I mean, I'm a huge proponent of 22 long rifle for mm-hmm. hunting. Um, and I'm also a huge proponent of air rifle for hunting. I invested in a really nice um, 22 caliber air rifle, you know, like, a, like an air rifle, you know, like a pellet gun, basically. Except this one is, it pumps up with like a bicycle pump. It can shoot like 100 times. Um, it's got a little 10 round magazine of pellet pellets that can be fed in. I mean, it's an absolutely just lethal small game hunting tool, you know, if you needed to use it as such super inexpensive, doesn't require, I mean, pellets are really cheap. I have thousands of pellets on hand air powers it. So you don't really need bullets, um, per se. I mean, you can buy, you can buy like 10,000 pellets for hardly anything Mm -hmm. you know, for just a fraction of the cost. And they're not, they're not like, they're not nearly as coveted right now as traditional ammunition. And they're silent. Mm-hmm. You know, I could pop a squirrel out my window in a neighborhood and hardly anybody would even know, you know, or like a turtle dove or something like that. You know, I mean, it could be, and they're incredibly accurate. Um, really, really, really interesting hunting tool for, um, I mean, some people hunt with them almost exclusively anyway, but especially in a worst case scenario, that becomes a really interesting um firearm to have and that turtle dove is going to be enough for a stew right you're not going to spit and the whole family is not going to eat that turtle dove but you're going to be able to take that that small game item and, and that's your protein and you're going to be able to add it to other things as well i just didn't want anybody to think that you're going to go out and right. you're shoot 20 turtle doves and that's right. going to be your turtle dove grilling uh for the evening. yeah well we love we love i love dove you know right. i mean i we, i love dove hunting um, oh, yeah, and, and you know, we, I mean, grill, we grill dove. We have we have them all kinds of different ways. Yeah, you know? uh, agreed with that. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to shortchange dove as a as a food item. But man, yeah, if you guys are hungry and you can shoot one dove or one whatever, yeah, it is, totally. That's like a little mini chicken. You got it. What do you think, Dave? I'm going to just throw in one more thing here. Since since we're kind of we're kind of swung back to food. <clears throat> Creek, maybe you have a book you can recommend to get people started. But uh, foraging for food, I mean, we're talking about the importance of food. 
And there's all kinds of, regardless of where you live, almost regardless of where you live, there are a host of medicinal and edible plants around you in various different seasons. Right? Chris? Yeah. I, mean, I would I would hate to have to survive off of wild edibles alone because right. that's a full-time job. No but time. I can tell you what, it, you could add with a little bit of knowledge, you could supplement your diet pretty easily no matter where you live. I mean, I remember walking around in Central Park in between interviews in New York once. And I could not believe I could have collected buckets of acorns from Central Park alone. You know, I was like, I mean, it was like insane. And, you know, some ethnobotanists estimate that more acorns have been consumed over the course of human history than oats, rice, corn, and wheat combined. That's fascinating. Yeah, learn how to do that. Yeah. Good. You know, so why, you know, it's a big part of my business. I, you know, I have obviously a business called wild edible plant of the month club where I teach a wild edible, new wild edible plant every month. So, I mean, I, I'm very passionate about wild foods. I believe that, you know, we, you know, our ancestors only ate wild foods and a huge issue with our health these days is that diversion from wild foods. And so I've, you know, I've been on a journey for the past many years to incorporate more and more and more wild foods into my diet. Give us that one more time, Creek, so somebody doesn't have to go back and re-listen to what that is. How does somebody get hooked up with that? So you uh, just wildedibleplantofthemonth.com. Wild All right. Uh, good stuff. I think we covered this pretty good. Yeah, man. We're doing good. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you want to wrap it up? So we want to – we kind of promised people we can do a little short thing on our favorite gear. Gear Cave. Gear Cave? Gear Cave. All right, let's go to the Gear Cave. Let's let Creek go last. That way we can, everybody will remember his thing, and then we can tell people how to, how to get it. How's that? That's like, it's like guest host privilege right there. Okay. Well, <laughs> then you go first. I'll go first? Yeah. Okay. So we have gotten a lot of interest and requests for people, uh, from people for us to do a video promoting our new MSK-1 Warrior. So if you're familiar with the MSK-1 knife system, you're familiar with the fact that, uh, of the original one, uh, originally la- launched on Kickstarter, we started, I start, actually started designing that knife with Jeff Freeman, who was the lead designer and innovation manager at Gerber, who now has Freeman Outdoor Gear, makes great knives. He's, Jeff's a very, very good friend. And we spent from 2013 to 14 working on the first prototype of the knife. And when we did the first prototypes, I actually had one of the original prototypes was very similar to what you see right here. The problem was we bootstrap everything we do, which means we just self-fund. Everything's got to pay for itself, right, Creek? <laughs> and, yeah, welcome to my world. Yeah, and so the triple-bladed warrior beginning just got shelved at the time. Well, a few years ago, it was actually uh, late 2016, I was approached by a liaison for a major military organization. And they said, (laughs) David, have you ever considered doing a, like a triple edged blade that is really just like the MSK one, but has uh, a secondary blade on the clip point and then a functional serrations. And it was kind of a funny conversation because yeah, I was like, yes, I have. 
And I sent this person a picture of the original prototype of that. And they're like, yes, that's exactly what I'm thinking of. So after a few years, after years, uh, this year, we just released the MSK-1 Warrior. We only have a few of these left. And we probably, again, back to supply chain issues, steel issues. These are actually made in the USA in partnership with Topps Knives. If you know Topps Knives, impeccable quality, huh, Joe? Uh, it is beautiful. It's I'm, gorgeous it's, knife. It's a, they, they stepped up. They, they do our MSK-1 Elite line, so they do the non-serrated single-edged blade also. And they really stepped it up. I mean, there's so many nice features and advantages and benefits that they added to what we already had. And all of these knives, besides being a triple-bladed beast, so this would would maybe not be as good for, uh, let's say, somebody who strictly wanted to baton wood or do bushcraft because of the serration up here. It wouldn't do a bad job, right. but if you pound it's on just gonna the, chew up your It's just going to chew bit. up your baton a little bit. But if you want a all-in-one uh, kind of versatile blade for utility of almost any sort, I know a lot of people that carry a pocket knife that has a serration on it just because it cuts boxes and rope and stuff good, then this might be for you. So we have a couple of these left. We're probably not going to have any more in stock until next summer, literally, because it just takes so long to get everything made right. We've got a few left for Christmas. If you're thinking about the the Warrior, uh, grab one. At some point, hopefully this fall, we're going to do a full-blown introduction video to it. Warrior week. Yeah. Um, so this is the MSK-1 Warrior. It actually comes with a... You have that. actually comes with this, you know, upgraded kind of tactical sheath. This is our sear sheath. It's got the two-tone Kydex and... It's really sharp looking. Yeah. I really dig how those yeah, two Yeah, it looks like a nice knife. What, is the, what are those running right now, Dave? Uh... I think we're still holding the price at three forty nine, and yeah. at, at the time of this recording, shipping's free. USA shipping's free, which wow. is probably not going to last long. And these aren't yeah, gonna, really. these, these literally aren't going to last long. Um, you said that I think we were talking the other day. There's like seventy two left. Yeah, so when you just, say a few, you mean a few. We keep selling out of these things, and we can't we can't keep stuff in stock for very long. Um, with this system, you can also get the uh, two add on sheaths. So you have the MSK-1 Mini, which we're going to have some of those in stock for Christmas here in the next couple of weeks. So look for those. We've got our Fire Steel, and you can configure this in various different ways. This can be scout carry, can be left or right-handed carry, and uh, regular tactical carry. And like with all of our knives, all of our component sheaths, whether it's a leather sheath or our standard sheath, all of the components work with all of the other components. And we don't want to forget the Nifty 20 item handle survival kit that fits right in your handle. So if you want to check it out, they are available on ultimatesurvivaltips.com. And if you if if you have been hesitating, don't hesitate much longer. Right. If you want one this year. Cool stuff. Yeah. I've got a good story about your original knife. Because I was on the Kickstarter for I bought one from your original Kickstarter program. Oh that was you that ah. was you Creek Store. Okay. I didn't know that <laughs> yeah. was you. you it was the Creek Store. Yeah. Yeah. I bought bought one from you. And, um, I had an event here at Willow Haven. There was like 200 people here and there was this little 10 year old kid and I was having some arm wrestling contests 
and I arm wrestled this 10-year-old kid, and if he could beat me, he won your knife. Needless to say, I do not have your knife. Anymore. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Was he built like Joe? <laughs> I had a soft place in my heart that day. That was like an unreal. I've regretted that day ever since. That was an unreal <laughs> knife. I mean, I'm telling you, man, that was a fantastic knife. So that, that elite warrior looks really cool. It is. It is super, super. <clears throat> I was going to say sharp, but yeah, it is sharp. But here's my story. All right. So I'm kind of a knife snob and I'm more of a, like a, uh, a traditional style looking guy. Right. So, right. Yeah. 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 But I was looking and looking and looking and looking and looking online in catalogs at, at major knife makers and even at uh, other, um, you know, handmade knife makers. Just like, what is this knife going to be that I do that I want it to have? And, and my conditions where I want it to be able to be essentially a utility knife to be able to do many, many different things. But for me, I've got these, we mentioned it before, I've got these gargantuan great big hands. And there was no knife out there that I felt really was going to hit that sweet spot to do everything that I wanted it to be able to do and then also have a big enough handle. And that sounds like a really silly a qualification, but for me that was really very, very important. And I looked and I looked and I was saving up my pennies and, and then I went back to my MSK1. And for me... I loved it. I thought it was fantastic and wonderful. And it's like, it's really cool, beautiful knife. But at first I was like, I don't know if that's like my perfect knife, but I went back to that. And so it has grown on me so much that that's my preferred knife that I carry in the woods hmm. as like a knife snob. And so I've always thought it was a cool knife, but now it's like, that's a knife that I want to be able to have. Like, that's the one. We've heard that a lot. It, it tends to grow on people. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. Yep. It's really awesome. Cool. Well, Joe, since we're on knives. Oh, well. I, come on, just real quick. Can you yeah. just, can you show everybody your knives? Okay. So Joe's been, Joe and I have been talking about actually making knives for a long time. Yeah. Just and like, Joe's been saving up his pennies from helping me out with the uh, survival EMAG newsletter. And uh, Joe, you were busting it out, man. You were committed to getting a, a knife shop going in your, in your shed. shed. I did. I put together a knife shop. It's really, I don't know if I'm in the can, right, but put together this like hidden tank Puko, which is really cool. And then this bushcraft knife and then this wow. little bit larger, like camp sort of knife. Bush, you guys, you guys can't see the beauty of these. Kni- these are literally his first three knives. Give me your first one. Wow. Is that your first one? That's the first one. I mean, this is, this is his first knife. Okay. I, I can't get it that close, but. I mean, I, I've seen people that have been ba- making custom <clears throat> knives for quite some time that, you know. Well, thank you. I really appreciate Where's that. Where's your I last mean, one? Give me your last one. That one. No, I want that one. Yeah. Talk about a perfectionist. I mean, look at that. Guys, look at that. I, I do like that one. That one's pretty cool. I, I like that That's pretty humbling. Thank you so much, Dave, for, I mean, you're, you guys, you're a knife guy. You guys are both knife guys, but it has been so much Sometimes fun. Sometimes I like to carry a smaller knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I might have to. You might have to teach me how to make me one of those. <laughs> yeah, making those I don't out think of, I'm making those out of files, right? Yeah. Making those out of files. Um, and so the process in that is just so intricate, and there's so many steps, and you you just really have to focus and concentrate. And and 
even though I'm not an entrepreneur, I'm kind of a one man gang when it comes to being pastor. And there's, we, we all have lots, we kind of carry the weight of the world and, and to be able to get off into the shop and just focus on this, like, yeah, this is the project. Yeah. This is the one thing and I'm able to not lose yeah. myself, but be productive and, and make yeah. that. And it's your therapy, man. It's a therapy sort of a thing. Yeah. So I would encourage, I would encourage you to, whether it's knife making or whether it's something else to find that productive, fruitful thing that you can do and knife making, you don't need to put together an entire shop. I'll share with you the power tool that has been the most helpful for me. But if you have some good files and a vice and a cordless drill, you can do a mm. tremendous amount. Like, and, and like a hacksaw. Hacksaw, yeah. Yeah. And in a bench grinder. Like those are some, if you have those things, you can do that. And yard sale can, items. Yard sale items that you right. would be able to go out and right, find. Right. And you can get started for less than legit you can get started for less than 100 bucks to be able to to make knives but the one piece of equipment that i had found um was kind of a game changer was uh, a 2 by 42 belt sander i i wasn't able to afford a 2 by 72 or 2 by 74 or whatever they are and and i think that if you got like a 1 by 24 you would be able to do a lot but like that 2 by 42 belt sander i picked up on amazon really is it's kind of yeah. a game changer yeah. when it comes to that. You can do so much with that. That's yeah. what I have. Uh, when I looked at, I looked on. Uh, I think you and I have the same model. Ours is made by Palmgren. Well, it's made in China and got a Palmgren name on it. Palmgren ones are like seven hundred bucks right now on Amazon. But the wow. but it's the same one. It's 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 branded Norse. Okay. Was like two sixty two seventy, and that's about that's what I had pur- that's what I had purchased yeah. mine for. So nice. Yeah, that'd be my recommendation. Cool. Cool, dude. Beautiful knives. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Creek, what do you got for us? What new equipment are you excited about? Well, there's two things you could probably have and never too many of. One's knives and the other sparrow rods, right? Hey, right. Amen. How many sparrow rods do you have? <laughs> probably a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's, if that's you were to go into the bins over there, we might be talking thousands. <laughs> Maybe thousands. <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously. So I have a lot of sparrow rods. I've used a lot of sparrow rods. Uh, and so there's always been little frustrations with various ferro rods with me, but I, uh, came out with a new ferro rod not long ago called, um, it's this brand Foyer stock right here. You'll notice that the only red ferro rod you've ever seen. I like the color. Yeah. You know, so we've all watched the survival shows where people drop their ferro rods and lose them and it's their journeys over. Well, that could happen anywhere, right? It doesn't just happen on a survival show. So that was the motivation really behind um, painting them red, Yes, um, which is really a standout feature from pretty much any other ferro rod. I've never seen a ferro rod of any color, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And it also protects from corrosion, too, right? Look at that. Whoa. Yeah, I know, right? So, <laughs> I mean, it just gives you, it gives you an idea how far I can throw the sparks. There I mean, I could probably start a fire with some of these from like two or three feet away. Um, but that's because of this striker here. Look at that. That. It's like one of those, like one of those full grip carbide strikers, you know, it's not that's always my problem with a striker is it's too, too tiny and I can't get good leverage yeah. on it, but look at that. Yeah. You know, so I actually, I actually, we actually pr- recommend striking this fair rod like you're carving, you know, versus, scraping down like it's like like a carving motion it's a very natural motion 
that people are used to doing with a knife. So carving your ferro rod, you can get incredible sparks with this full grip carbide striker. So that's, um, that's my gear cave plug for today. This is a little pack of, and these are available on Amazon Prime. These are like, I think there's a coupon now for like 24, it makes them like $24. They're not the least expensive ferro rod, but that's because they, um, there's oh, a super bunch wild. of extra little steps here. Yeah. Well, how should, that's not bad at all. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of ferro rod there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a half inch by five inch ferro rod. It's the last ferro rod you'll ever need. Yeah. You know, it's a fantastic ferro rod. I think it's the most expensive ferro rod on Amazon, but, um, it's worth every penny of it. Yeah. How, what, what search term should they use particularly to jump to that one? What here's the, here's, here's the easy way to do it. Just type in ferro rod and scroll until you see the big red stick. All right. Bingo. It's going to stand out like a, like a neon light. And that's a kit. You get the ferro rod and the striker in the kit. Yeah. And you get a free course. There's a link to a free course online on how to use it and how to, how to take your ferro rod skills to the next level. So I teach a free course on how to do that with every purchase. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> That's great. All right. Thanks for sharing that Creek. So should we wrap it up, Dave? Yeah. I want to thank Joe. Thanks Joe. Hey, you guys are welcome. Thanks hey. Creek for joining us. Super awesome to meet you, brother. Creek really before, yeah, you do, brother. before we close this down and, and move in that direction, can you tell people how they can get with you, connect with you, all that? Here at creekstewart.com. Be sure to get on my email list. That's how I communicate with people. I I don't I've only logged on to social media like twice in the past six months. And so um, I connect with people pretty much almost exclusively via email. So just add yourself to my email list. You'll see it pop up at creekstewart.com. Dude, and I love your emails. Very conversational, informative. I'm on your email list. Twice. Oh good. I'm on your list. <laughs> I'm on his email list too. All right, everyone, that's about it. Help a brother out. We're about we're all about win-win situations around here. So we want to keep bringing you quality guests, quality co-hosts. Uh, we got to pay producer Ben to produce, right? Smash that like button, give us a five-star review, leave a comment, and share the show with others. It's free to do that. It's totally free. Did I say it's free? Free. Yeah, totally free. So if you, and, and check this out. If you share this audio or this video podcast with your friends or family, you will help them be better prepared and maybe even prevent them from ending up on your doorstep during a disaster. <laughs> it'd be worth it, right? Hey, if I was going to end up at anybody's doorstep, <laughs> it'd be yours. <laughs> if I was going to end up on anybody's doorstep, hey, it'd be Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Next, go over to ultimatesurvivaltips.com, grab our free weekly survival and preparedness newsletter uh, produced and sent out by uh, Joe. Yay. Yeah. And while you're there, you can grab a sweet MSK-1 or Elite MSK-1 Elite Warrior Knife before they sell out for Christmas. Go for it. And you might like to pick up a bulk pack of five or ten tiny survival guides or dun, 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 yeah. the new tiny first aid guide. And yeah. one thing you're going to find out is they're a really high value item that's kind of low cost. And people love them for gifts because they're super unique and helpful. And let's see, what else? 
If you have any ideas for future podcasts or you want to let us know whose hair you like better, mine, Joe's, or Creek's, leave a comment below. Oh, mine's really bad. <laughs> I just I just buzzed mine this morning. And yeah, I've got I totally don't think, a dad cut. I don't think Creek has ever cut his hair. Mine's fake. <laughs> Well, if you want to, if you want to leave a comment about that, or if you would like us to do maybe some live, uh, live podcast videos, email Joe at Ultimate Survival Tips. Ah, uh, you didn't know I was going to throw that in there. That's yeah. Joe at Ultimate Survival Tips, and be nice because Joe has superpowers that you do not want unleashed in your direction. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay, that's about it. Everybody, thanks for joining us, and until next time, keep it simple, stay positive, and be sharp.